Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b -b bullshit this is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome back to Bullshit Filter the News. My name is Cameron Riley. With me in bumfuck Virginia is Ray Harris. Uh, you survived Hello. your annual exercise, Ray. Yes, once a year, I, uh, I whip out the old, I take out the pajamas, whip out the old running shorts and shoes, and I do six miles, and I pay someone to let me go through all that pain. So obviously, I haven't thought this through very well. Hmm. Did you drink whiskey before, during, or after <laughs> the uh, uh, run, the fun run? Yes, but in my defense, that was the only way I made it through. So that mm. is how I will be doing it from now on. When I do anything, um, physically exert myself, there will be whiskey mm. involved. Mm. Well, that won't include sex then, because we know that <laughs> no. you don't really exert yourself from what your wife tells us. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, getting through things, uh, as we record this, the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris is burning <gasps> down. Yes. Uh, for a uh, francophile, a histor a fake, a fake historian such as myself, mm -hmm. um, right. Napoleon Buff, uh, you know, it's obviously where Napoleon had his coronation uh, when he became mm -hmm. Emperor of the French, not Emperor of France, as we always like to point out, Emperor of the French. Um, you know, and, and it's just a, you know, obviously a, a, one of the world's great masterpieces right. of architecture. Uh, as I posted on Facebook today, even as a lifelong atheist, the first time I went to Paris and, and walked inside Notre Dame, I went, oh, oh I get it. Oh, right. yeah. Just... Yeah, just the light coming through the rose windows in the darkness. You're looking up. It just it just transported you. Right. Um, so it's a tragedy for for believers and atheists and historians and just tourists, everyone alike, uh, yeah. for something like that to go up in flames. Do they have? I I watched a short video where I guess the spire or whatever was just come crashing down, and you could just hear the. Uh, the wailing of the French as they were watching this happen. Did, I, I guess it's too soon to be able to say what happened or, or did you see any reports on that? Yeah, no, too soon. They, they, I think they have started okay. an investigation into it, but right now I think they're just focused on trying right. to put the fire out. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, well, you know, it, it, you would think if it was going to go up in flames, it would have been when I was in it, when the Lord <laughs> tried to strike me with lightning. Uh, as right. I keep saying, <laughs> Yahweh's either useless or distracted because right. I've been in I've been in lots of great cathedrals. Right. I've been yeah. in the Duomo in Florence. I, I've been in Notre Dame. I've been in Sacré-Cœur. I've been in I've been in cathedrals all around the world. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. He's, he's had his chance. 
He had his yeah. chance. Yeah, chance has. Chance. Yes, God. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, the reason we're doing a nose sh- uh, nose show, we're doing a nose show this week, uh, <laughs> talking about noses. The reason we're doing a new show this week is not about Notre Dame. Uh, it's about Julian Assange. Uh, we said we weren't right. going to do a new show for a while because we're doing our anti-vax series, and yes. unless something big happened. And, of course, yeah. something big did happen last week. Julian Assange, my countryman, mm-hmm. uh, my silver-haired, uh, my, my fellow Australian silver fox, right. Rabble Rouser. Uh, Brother from another uh, mother. Yeah, it was hauled out uh, unceremoniously of the Ecuadorian embassy. Wow. Now, I've spent the last uh, week uh, fighting disinformation, misinformation uh, online, and I thought I would just share some of it with y'all. Now, I've done no prep for this because uh, I was planning on doing my prep when I woke up this morning, but of course, all I've been doing is uh, watching Notre Dame <laughs> burn down right. since I woke up at 5am. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so what I did is I've gone over to my arch enemy, the New York Times, and sure. uh, grabbed one of their articles uh, called Assange, a self-proclaimed foe of secrecy who inspires both admiration and fury. And I thought I would just read through this and see what we can see. And I'll talk about any any misinformation I find in this. And if I don't find find any, if I, yeah, if I don't find any, I'll uh, just talk about misinformation. I mean, the the, the other one, I mean, I think the... The media organization that has been besmirching Assange the most is his original partners, uh, The Guardian. After he had a major falling out with The Guardian, they've been uh, spreading lies and rumors about him uh, for the last five or six years. But no, I figured, like, let's let's be consistent. Let's take The New York Times and see what they did. This is uh, published April 11th, 2019 by reporters Scott Shane and Stephen Erlanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, The shaky video clips of Julian Assange's arrest flashed around the world on Thursday. The white-bearded prophet of the age of leaks being hauled by unsmiling security officers to a grey van marked police. We must resist, he cried. You can resist. It was a scene that the very image-conscious Mr. Assange might appreciate. One man literally fighting the all-powerful state. It was also the latest, but surely not the last, dramatic turn in a career marked by both brilliant achievement and dubious judgment. Mm. Mr. Assange has long had a knack for celebrity, and as a tech-savvy, global, almost stateless figure, he captured the new influence the internet could give to individual citizens. All right, so far, a couple of paragraphs in. Don't really have any complaints about that. Uh, Dubious judgment, even that. um, Yeah, look, uh, I'm I'm the first to admit that Julian's uh, constantly put himself in the the, uh, target sites. Um, Really almost tempting the most powerful nations on earth to have him whacked. Now, either that's incredibly brave uh, and noble or dubious judgment you I guess it's subjective uh, opinion I just just real quick just just for the Americans out there who probably pay let's be honest less attention to this than uh, other countries that very thing that you just mentioned um, he seems to I mean from an American perspective not that I follow this guy very much certainly not as much as you have he, he seems to either love 
confrontation or he loves mixing it up or he loves the limelight, he loves the drama and the tension, would that be a fair assessment or is that just the way the game is played when you are trying to expose truth to power? What's your assessment of, of him in that regards? Okay, well, let me pause and talk about my um, introduction to Julian. Now, Julian... Okay. Um, I think originally was from Melbourne uh, and I lived in Melbourne for a long time. We're around about the same age, I think. Mm-hmm. He's 47. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm 48. So uh, oh. he was born July 71. I'm October 70. So I'm seven or eight months older than him. Uh, he was born in Queensland, um, same as me. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, you know, and we're both... In- you know, incredibly dashing and handsome with silver hair and, and absolutely. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I first heard of Julian, I think, in the mid to late two thousands, where before he was famous, uh, I, I'd heard of what mm. he was building with WikiLeaks because I was part of the not hacker circles, but I was I was part of the internet startupy type scene yeah. in Melbourne. I ran a startup conference and that sort of thing. I was running the podcast network from 2004. Um, and, and I started to hear about this guy and I started to read some stories about what he was going to do. This is before he had any notoriety. And I reached out to him. Mm-hmm. I tried right. to get in contact with him to uh, interview him on my podcast. I remember mm-hmm. posting on a, on a blog or on Twitter or something like that. Does anyone... Anyone know how to get in contact with this Julian Assange guy because I want to get him on my show? Right. And I, I can't remember the details. I, I haven't even gone looking for it. It's probably in my archive somewhere. But I remember somebody saying, yeah, I know Julian and uh, he doesn't talk to anybody. He's uh, He likes to keep his identity hidden. Now, of course, before that, going back to the 90s, he had been arrested as a, as a teenager or I think maybe he might have been 20 at the time. Uh, he had been right. a, a notorious hacker. In his teen yeah. years, um, hacked into uh, I think some Ameri- an American telco, um, tried hacking into Australian and American military organisations, got arrested um, mm-hmm. as a as a as a kid, um, got himself into all sorts of trouble. Um, so he he kept uh, a fairly low profile, I think, uh, after that. I know mm. that the he, when he was arrested, the federal police had been tapping his phone, the Australian federal police. So, um, yeah, uh, in the early days of WikiLeaks, he kept a very low profile. I couldn't even get in touch with him to do an interview with him. People, people mm, that is who said they knew him said, <laughs> said yeah, no, nah, he, he <clears throat> doesn't want any media attention. Right. Um, and I was like, hey, I'm not the media, I'm a podcaster. And they said, what's that? And I said, oh, fuck, it's too hard. <laughs> too much yeah. <laughs> to explain. Um, so that's that's was my first introduction to him. Then, of course, he became very, very famous. Um, and I, I, so my take on that has always been that he put himself out there, obviously putting himself at enormous personal risk. Mm-hmm. In order to get his work known, the work of WikiLeaks known, somebody had to be the face. I mean, you could do it like right. anonymous, where um, you don't really know who's behind it, who's who's putting this information out there, who's doing the hacks, or you can personalize it, mm-hmm. like the CEO of a, of a 
I don't know, um, big company, like a Steve Jobs, and you can humanize right. it and puts. And he is very intelligent, very articulate, very good at talking. So I think he mm-hmm. put himself out there in order to promote the work of WikiLeaks, um, give the media someone to interview, someone to talk to. He was providing the analysis of it. So, but you see lots of. Um, Criticism, including the judge in London, he was hauled in front of last week, refer to him as a narcissist. Um, mm, yes. Now, I think, uh, you know, my take on him is he's just trying to promote the work. I don't think, I don't think right. he's a narcissist at all. I think, in fact, as I just said before, he, he put himself in the target by becoming well known. Probably the smarter thing, and I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because he's a you know he's a he's a father. Uh, you don't hear much about his family, but he he has a kid mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, yeah, the the he's an obviously an intelligent guy, and the intelligent move would have been to keep his identity secret. But like Edward Snowden, who he supported and came obviously uh, later, um, he he wanted to talk about the work. Talking, you know, Snowden yeah. could have remained secret as well. In fact, when Glenn Greenwald and the female documentary uh, maker, whose name I can't remember, Laura Laura Poitras, first mm-hmm. went and met uh, Edward Snowden, I think, in his hotel in Hong Kong, um, they were surprised that he wanted to be yeah. on camera. Um, and he said, well, no, I, people need to know that this is legit and they need to know the story and I'm the best person to tell that story. Even Again, even though he was putting himself in harm's way by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So look, I I, I think he's. Um, what was your question? <laughs> no, just just as far as because because what you're going to get into with the article, I'm sure, is that there there's been a lot of crazy stories about him. And one of the things is that yeah, that he's a narcissist. That he is. Uh, it's all about him, and that he's just trying to get everybody to talk about him. You know, what's that old saying? Um, I can't remember. It's something about it doesn't matter if you're saying something good or bad about me. It's just that you're talking about me. I think that that aspect of him is being played up in order to um, make him look like he's maybe not quite mentally all there. I think that's just one of the many aspects that is being used against him. Yeah, there's a lot of character assassination going mm-hmm. on. And look, I don't know the guy personally, so I'm I, I don't sure. I'm not going to take a position on whether or not he's an arsehole or an egomaniac or all those sorts of things because I don't know him. But um, you, you know, it reminds me. I was having a conversation with my son Hunter on the weekend. We were talking about fame and mm-hmm. um, whether or not people who want to be famous have something wrong with them. And this is completely right. unrelated to Julian Assange, but I said, you know, I I personally don't want to be famous, but I do know that, it, but I do want to be able to write books. And in order to be able to write books, people need to buy my books. And I want to make podcasts mm-hmm. and I want people to listen to them and I want to make documentaries and I want people to know about them and watch them. So I know that in order to do that, I need to have a certain level of public recognition. If that's... If I want to be able to spend the time I have left uh, uh, writing and talking and, and making movies, I need to have – there's a level of fame, if you want. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. notoriety. not even – it's not even D-level fame. It's like yeah, right. <laughs> getting closer to the end of the alphabet level fame. But 
a level of <laughs> public recognition, right? So because you want right. you want you want the work to get That's out there. The you game. want people to know, know yes. it exactly. But if I could do yeah. that without anyone knowing who I was, that would be even better. Um, yeah. Uh, because I have no desire for fame, but I do want the work to get out there. I want people to know about them. And, I, and, and I'm guessing that Assange and Snowden are in the same camp. I don't know them, but that would be my, that would be my guess, is that they want their work to be taken seriously. In order to do that, they need to be promoting it. They need to be the face of it. Right. Well, by Snowden's work, I mean, you know, he basically just leaked a bunch of documents and provided some analysis from his experience Mm -hmm. as a security expert. Um, Yes. So back to the New York Times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. His creation of WikiLeaks helped empower a generation of whistleblowers and disgruntled insiders who could operate on an industrial scale, providing disclosures by the terabyte and enraging the powerful in many countries. WikiLeaks collaborated closely with major world publications, including the New York Times, in the release of secret records on the American-led wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and a quarter million confidential State Department cables. Now I think this is an this is an important paragraph. Um, one of the criticisms you'll see bandied about about Julian and WikiLeaks at the moment is that well he's not a real journalist. Uh, they're not right. really the media now, yeah. um, or that he just indiscriminately dumps files out there, and that's not what a journalist does. So um, I've had a couple of retorts to that over the last week. Uh, first of all, I point out that in 2011, Julian and WikiLeaks won the highest award given to journalism in Australia. It's called the Most right. Outstanding Contribution to Journalism Walkley Award. So, and that's run by journalists. So... If you think you know what journalism is better than the people that give out the highest <laughs> award for journalism in Australia, congratulations. Right. But now I know who is the real egomaniac in the room. Exactly. Um, and this 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 um, criticism that they just indiscriminately dump files out there isn't entirely true. There have been times when uh, they have released files out there without being able to uh, review all of them just because there were too many of them. But they do, and and you can go and read Julian's statements on this, they do take a level of care in making sure that they're not just indiscriminately dumping stuff out there. They have worked with major media companies in the past to release some of this stuff. Uh, I think it, times when they have dumped it is when it looked like they were being dumped anyway by other organizations and they wanted to get out mm. in front of that. But, right. um, you know, they, they did work very closely, particularly in the uh, early days with the Manning leaks and the State Department cable leaks with major media organizations uh, to help them um, filter, uh, make sure that no one is going to be harmed. And that's another thing that needs to be pointed out. To the best of my knowledge, no one has ever been harmed by, I mean, no lives have been endangered uh, by anything that WikiLeaks has released. And and an amazing amount of 
good has been done in terms of the disclosures that they've made. So net-net, we would have to say that it's been an entirely positive exercise from a from a social, uh, cultural standpoint. Right. We, the people, have learnt a lot about what goes on behind the scenes and lies that have been told, etc., etc. Um, the killing of a journalist and, and civilians by the US military, which they tried to cover up, was the basis mm-hmm. of the collateral murder video that, that came out of the Manning Leaks, etc. Um, right. If I could just say real quick, I just add on to that. And of course, the um, the definition of almost any job, any profession, even to the point of terms, um, pre-internet, obviously has to be re-examined. Because yeah, if you go by 1940s uh, definition of a journalist, maybe he's not. But things change so fast and so quickly and so consistently now that you can't even hold on to that. You can't use that as an argument he is a journalist. He is a publisher. It is uh, in its own form, electronic publication. That's just the way the world is now. Things are constantly changing. So you can't just, you know, say he doesn't fit into the norms. And that way you, you try to remove from him the justification of being a journalist. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And and one of the points I've been making uh, online over the last week is that, look, for, from the perspective of most of us, journalism has failed us anyway. Right. Most of the news media is disgraceful corporate propaganda machine. Mouthpiece, yeah. Yeah. I mean, fuck journalism, really. Up the ass with a big dirty stick. Um, there, are, there are some good journalists out there. There are some mm-hmm. good publications, but they are the, they're few and far between. They're in the minority, right? So I think most of us realize that journalism is not something to be proud of. The state of journalism is a disgrace around the world, uh, and we need it needs to be shaken up. We need a new form of mm-hmm. journalism, and, and WikiLeaks right. has been one of those reinventions of journalism, as you say. You know, they said the same thing 15 years ago about bloggers and Twitter, the right. YouTube. Yeah, that's not journalism. That's not me. That's the classic thing journalists like to say. You can't be part of our club. This right. is our club. We own yeah. this club. They're like taxi drivers not wanting people to get a taxi license so they can protect yeah. their turf. You don't get to say what is journalism and what isn't journalism based right. on your own definition or a historic definition of journalism and you know again the walkley award people gave wikileaks the most outstanding contribution to journalism uh award and to this so fuck you it is journalism and you don't get to you don't get to say that but our but our favorite comparison would be that we're not we can't be call ourselves historians we are podcasters and and the two shall never meet obviously with technology that has changed considerably there are a ton there are 10 more than 10,000 history podcasts out there so you know again everything the technology is blurring the lines of everything I don't consider myself an historian I consider myself a fake historian you yeah. are you've got a degree in history um no, you know, I think of ourselves as entertainers. We, we, right. We, well, that's debatable, but... Uh, <laughs> we entertain ourselves and each other. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, somebody, I can't remember who, some lady sent me an email the other day saying, I love your shows, but you're far too dirty. Um, and, you know, if I think if you toned it down, more people would listen. I said, look, you're probably right. My wife tells mm-hmm. me that all the time too. But I said, look, I, I exist to make Ray laugh. That's it. <laughs> I'm, I, you know... <laughs> 
and you do, and I'm be- I'm a better person for it. So that's thanks. it. I, yeah, I have an audience of one, Ray Harris. <laughs> if I make Ray laugh, yeah, the Bubble Boy's happy. Everybody's happy. I'm happy. You know, you've yeah, got yeah. you know, you, you have such a miserable existence. You're short. Thank you. Aww. Not very not very bright, chubby. Your wife's sleeping around with black men. You live in the middle of nowhere. You know, my job is just to give you a moment of mirth. <laughs> and you do. And you do. Like that one. So there was little, my moment. Little of, Thank you. A little yeah. bit of pain, a little bit of pleasure. <laughs> just... <laughs> All right, let me keep going. Yes. But Mr. Assange has always elicited fervent reactions. He has been hailed as a hero of free information or despised as a treacherous criminal worthy of death by drone often depending on what WikiLeaks had recently been up to. Though he has always described himself as a journalist, he has been far too much of an activist to be satisfied with the role of neutral and fair-minded provider of information. So, yeah. No, I just have to take exception to that. If if your job is to release the truth, to speak um, truth to power, and he's coming out with all of this stuff and it's, Yes, we need to know it, but at the same time, it's disheartening. You know, corporations can't be trusted, government can't be trusted, police can't be trusted, or whatever, you know, to a certain degree. I mean, how could you not get access to this kind of stuff over the years and have absolute proof in front of you and not want to be more proactive or an activist? I mean, I I would think that that would just come in time to anybody who had access to the information that he does. True. And, you know, my other criticism of this line is neutral and fair-minded provider of information. Now, uh, it's obvious, I think, to anyone who pays attention that any journalist working inside of a large corporate conglomerate Mm-hmm. isn't able to be neutral or a fair provider, fair-minded right. provider of information either. There yeah. are agendas everywhere. This whole idea that your, your New York Times or your Washington Post or your, your NBC, News. CNN, Fox News, obviously, right. MSNBC journalists are neutral mm-hmm. uh, is ridiculous. They're, they're not they're not neutral and you know we, I've gone through examples before and we, you know when we did the Castro obit classically uh, on the Cold War show a few years ago yeah. you can see how the New York Times's own obit was definitely not neutral so this this whole accusation that he's somehow different from other media organizations because he has an agenda now and his agenda as we'll see is definitely not a partisan agenda because he's pissed them pissed people off on both sides <laughs> right. on all sides they all hate him because he is fair-minded and neutral he will take anybody down um as we'll see yeah He has proved a highly problematic, even embarrassing champion for the principles of press freedom and the public's right to information, especially in recent years. Mm. Now, um, there's a little bit of um, agenda going on there. Who said he's an embarrassing? So you throw words like that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's making a judgment. He's an embarrassing champion right. for press freedom. Um, I I'm, I don't think he's embarrassing. I don't feel right. that it's I'm bullshit. embarrassed by him. Right. For the past seven years, he was hiding out at Ecuador's tiny red brick embassy in London, not just from American prosecutors, but also from Swedish sex crime investigators. 
who eventually closed their case. Now, A, he wasn't hiding. Everyone knew where he was uh, from day one. So factually incorrect. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And Swedish sex crime investigators. Do do you really think there are uh, investigators in Sweden that have the title sex crime investigators? Um, I hope so. Please tell me there's a TV show coming out. They just walk around singing the Eurythmic song, Sex Crime, all the time. They have Their badge just says, Sex Crime Investigator. You know, that, that kind of stuff. They couldn't just say Swedish investigators right. or no. Swedish prosecutors. Again, not hiding out at all, and I will get into that at some point because mm-hmm. that's another thing that I've had to uh, uh, shut down as statements about him, avoiding questioning by the Swedish, which is just blatantly untrue. Um, but yes, see again. This is the when you read this, the the sneaky words that get thrown in there: embarrassing, sex crime, hiding. Yeah, this is how the game is by exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Assange, the world's most famous self-proclaimed political refugee. Wow. Self-proclaimed? No, he, he was a political refugee. He was granted asylum by the sovereign nation of Ecuador because Mm -hmm. they judged that he was uh, required asylum because he was being hunted by the United States for exposing their embarrassing political skeletons. So not self-proclaimed, proclaimed proclaimed by not only, by the way, Ecuador, but also the United Nations as a political refugee. But again, let's... Let's try and paint him as a paranoid, uh, narcissistic fugitive by saying he's self-proclaimed. Lived there with his cat in a small corner room. He continued to run WikiLeaks, conducted news conferences before hundreds of fawning admirers from a balcony. Ah, Hitler. Can't just say admirers or, you know, uh, an audience or his public. No, it's... Fawning admirers. Right. Now, fawning. Let's let's look up the uh, definition of the word fawning in my little dictionary here. Displaying exaggerated flattery or affection, obsequious. Oh, Trump supporters. <laughs> <laughs> fawning. So here, they're not only attacking Assange as making mm-hmm. him out to be some sort of bizarre prophet, but they're also attacking. Anyone who's an admirer of Assange by suggesting they are all obsequious and overly exaggerated. Rode his skateboard in the halls and played host to a parade of visitors, including Lady Gaga and Pamela Anderson, a rumoured lover who brought with her vegan sandwiches. So kick him out. Kick him out just for that. Sorry. Sorry, Assange had a lot of visitors uh, in the Ecuadorian embassy, including a lot of the world's leading uh, political thinkers and activists and philosophers. uh, 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 Ellsberg, I was going to say Peter Ellsberg. Um, uh, What's fucking Ellsberg's name? Fucking hell. Got a mental blank. Did they mention any of those people in the article or was it just... Pamela Anderson, Lady Gaga, yeah. and the like. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Daniel Ellsberg, 
people like that dropped in to visit him a lot, a lot of his supporters. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, they're referring to Lady Gaga and Pamela Anderson to deliberately make him look... Uh, I yeah. don't know, weird, like these weird... Nothing against either Lady Gaga or Pamela Anderson, no? but they're obviously deliberately choosing two, you know, extremely weird women um, to mm-hmm. to put there. And uh, vegan sandwiches, like, how is that relevant to the story? Well, vegans it's are weird. Right. Yeah, vegans are weird, right. so she took with her vegan sandwiches. So, again, yeah. just building... This, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, 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 picture of him painting this picture that he's weird and he hangs out with weird people and only weird people support him because, hey, look, Lady Gaga and Pamela Anderson. Exactly. The arrest came at the end of a meandering legal path that began in 2010 when the Justice Department announced it was investigating WikiLeaks. Obama administration officials eventually dropped the idea, persuaded by press advocates that prosecuting WikiLeaks would set a dangerous precedent because many mainstream news organisations regularly publish classified information. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, an important piece of information that they've put in there. There's one of the criticisms that you will hear from people on both the left and the right, uh, particularly in the US, Mm. is that... uh, well, he's he's a criminal because he published classified information. Yeah, that's 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 what investigative journalists do. They they publish things that people don't want to be published. Right, they, and they win awards they, for it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When when <laughs> when Seymour Hirsch published his story uh, in the New York Times about the My Lai massacre in Vietnam, that was top secret information. Mm-hmm. that it was uh, illegal for him to talk about obviously Daniel Ellsberg in the Pentagon papers also illegal right. you know there was there was legal uh, efforts to try and stop them mm-hmm. from publishing that yeah right. Bernstein and Woodward and all that kind of right. stuff the creep mm-hmm. investigation so um, that's what investigative journalists do I mean companies uh, and, and churches and governments try and hide their dirty secrets. Uh, behind all manner of legal instruments, calling it classified. Uh, Trump trying to stop Stormy Daniels talking to the press uh, with Mm -hmm. non-disclosure agreements, contracts, employment contracts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, So publishing secret or classified information is what an investigative journalist and a, and a publishing entity is supposed to do. That's their job as the fourth estate is to balance the power of the other three estates mm-hmm. as they the exist truth. in the 21st century. Yeah, by yeah. exposing their secret machinations. Um, mm-hmm. What are their jobs anyway? It's not their only job, but that's supposed to, in, in theory, that's what we want the fourth estate to do. We want them to uncover the right. secrets because businesses and governments and religions are trying to hide their dirty secrets using all of the incredible wealth and power that they have, their ability to write the laws, to manipulate the laws, to manipulate the legal system. What we want the media to do is to expose them. Now, the fact that people uh, don't understand that and are using that as a criticism of WikiLeaks, I think, demonstrates a 
fundamental lack of understanding that people have about what the role of the media is. Right, right. And that's probably by design as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. And it's it's been members of not just the media, but I think more political figures and people that are uh, paid by political figures to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, spread that idea to discredit the work of WikiLeaks. In 2016, some of Mr. Assange's former American sympathizers turned sharply against him after he made WikiLeaks into an enthusiastic instrument of Russia's intervention in the American presidential election. Here we go. Doling out hacked Democratic emails to maximize their political effect, campaigning against Hillary Clinton on Twitter and promoting a false cover story about the source of the leaks. Mm. Okay. Um, Well, yes, true that a lot of uh, people on the Democrat side of things who were formerly supportive of WikiLeaks turned against him and WikiLeaks after the 2016 election, which, A, just goes to show that they are uh, are fair-weather friends and didn't really support uh, WikiLeaks' mission in the first place. And they loved him when he was going after Bush. When he went after Clinton, they were like, wait! What? Help. You can't do that. How dare you, sir? He's one of us. Pistols yeah. at dawn. <laughs> now, uh, this says it became an enthusiastic instrument of Russia's intervention. Whew. Um, like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, look, my, I, I don't know. The, the source of the hacked Democratic emails. Um, I know that the American establishment says that the Russians hacked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that Julian Assange has always said that it wasn't. He, his source wasn't uh, Russia. Now, honestly, if I have to, I, again, when, whenever I'm in a situation where I don't have enough evidence um, to know what was what was going on i don't believe either side I, I, right. I try and stay neutral however if you put a gun to my head and said who do you think has more credibility julian assange or the american intelligence uh, institutions <laughs> right. i'm gonna go with julian assange julian assange on yeah. matters of the sources of leaks and information uh, I'm going to go with Julian Assange over the CIA or the FBI or Stratfor or any American uh, right. security analysts. Well, let me just ask this real quick. Um, I, I'm not even going to pretend to remember all the things that were leaked out uh, that that Trump kept going. Oh, did you see WikiLeaks? That you know, whatever. But it's an, on one level. It doesn't matter whether it came from the Russians or non-Russian entity. If they're leaking out information that is damaging to Hillary because she's doing or saying something wrong or whatever, it, it, it kind of misses the point if, again, he's exposing the truth of how she is operating. And knowing what we know now about her, we do know that she would have done and did do everything she possibly could to win uh, the presidency. Yeah, you're exactly right. The uh, the the focus on this has always been fucked up. People mm-hmm. focus on the fact that he exposed the fact that she was uh, well, okay. I don't want to say a dirty criminal, but that uh, a good politician that, that she uh, was manipulating the DNC. So if right. if 
if there was nothing wrong about the stuff that he leaked, then it can't have affected her uh, chances of winning the election. If there was stuff that was leaked that damaged her reputation and the reputation of the DNC, then your focus should be on that, not on Assange leaking it. He did you a service. He did America a service. He did the world a service by leaking it, whatever the source of it was, because if the da- if the information in there was, in fact, damaging, mm-hmm. then, and it was, it was damaging. We, you know, people were fired. The, the chairperson of the DNC yeah. lost her job, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, because it was revealed because of the leak that the DNC was corrupt in terms of the the primary process and they were Mm -hmm. pro-Clinton and against Sanders from the get-go and that they uh, manipulated the primary process to make sure Sanders wouldn't win. That's just one of the things that came out of those leaks. So they're focusing on the wrong things. And again, this is deliberate or just ignorant, Mm -hmm. but I'm guessing it's deliberate. It's it's always been a way of, like I think the whole Russia-Trump collusion story, we're still waiting on the Mueller report to come out in full, but... I've always said that I think it was the whole uh, shitstorm in the media about that over the last couple of years was a way for the the Democrats to uh, 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 deflect attention from their own crimes and misgivings. Okay, maybe not legal crimes, but uh, right. their and own the- their own dirt, their own right. dirty laundry. And the fact that they somehow have to explain that they lost to fucking Trump. I mean, you're going to look mm-hmm. for something to cover that up. Why Why would you not? Yeah. Um, now, yeah, getting back to who I trust the most, I'll tell you why, Assange, is to the best of my knowledge, mm-hmm. Assange has never lied to me. Right. On the other hand, I know that the FBI and the CIA have lied to me and the American people countless, countless times. Yeah. Their, their entire job right. is to lie, is to, yeah, that's, that's part of their profile, is to right. uh, deflect and lie. So and the NSA it goes along with that as well, and the politicians mm-hmm. that, that support the infrastructure behind those. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just based on that alone, if you look, ideally stay neutral on that, on, on, on you know, right. the source of the emails until we have evidence that everyone can see. And not just, you know, look, I know some people are going to be listening to this and say, well, you know, Guccifer this and that and Russian evidence. Yes, but you're getting that from the American uh, intelligence agencies, which can't be trusted. So, I uh, look, how do we get unbiased objective data on that i don't know and julian has julian has always refused to say where he got the emails from because part of his job is to protect his sources yeah but um and here's the other part of that if he did get them from the russians i don't think he would have and it's a bit like if trump was colluding with russia he would have told us if julian if the russians was the source of the emails i don't think julian would have any reason to lie about it Right. Because he doesn't give a shit. He'd be like, <laughs> he, he, all he wants is to leak the information. Yeah. I mean, maybe he would be protecting his source even if it was the Russians, but I don't think he would lie. Maybe he would. I, I don't know. But I, yeah. I don't think he has but any reason. Stands. 
Yeah. I don't think he has any reason to lie about the source of the emails. It's not like he's going to get into trouble or people are going to go, you know, they're going to clutch their pearls if if he said, yes, I got it from the Russians. Because they already fucking hate him and want him dead. So, it, it, it you know, I, I, I don't see the rationale there and that he's... It says here um, he was promoting a false cover story mm. about the source of the leak. So here the New York Times is taking the intelligence agency's view over right. Julian, but they're not explaining why he would bother. Why would he bother? Now, he did hate Hillary Clinton. I, I will give you that because mm-hmm. she hated him. She uh, publicly said when she was Secretary of State and during her campaign that she wanted to take Assange and WikiLeaks down. Ah, uh. So, yeah, he, he, he had every reason to want to damage her. I'm not denying that. But I, I believe he would have damaged anybody that he got leaks on. Now, one of the criticisms is always, well, why didn't he leak anything on Trump? According to Assange, any, everything that he got on Trump was already well known. Mm, um, stuff right. on Trump. Um, people <laughs> I had somebody on Facebook goes, how come he's never released anything on Russia then? So I sent them a link to all of the WikiLeaks files on Russia that they have released and said, well, you mean apart from all of these files on Russia that they have released? See, I was going to ask you about that because out of all of the stuff I was watching, news news videos and things like that, yeah, one of, one of the criticisms of some person who was trying to be fair and balanced was that he has never, ever, you know, leaked anything bad about Russia. So, th- so again, right there, there's another person who is, you know, helping just a little bit with that point of view that they want you to have that, yeah, uh, this guy can't be trusted. He he is not fair and balanced. Now, I think, um, you know, you, you can go back and read transcripts of uh, interviews with Assange leading up to the election, mm-hmm. uh, the 2016 election. He um, believed that Trump was going to lose, Right. Um, as did most people. So, I, I, you know, he certainly didn't seem to think that Trump had any chance of winning as a result of anything that he had done. Mm. Um, but uh, there you go. By the way, people say he hasn't released any files on Trump. Uh, he has. I mean, just go and search WikiLeaks for Trump. Um, mm-hmm. You'll find there's, uh, you know, a bunch of files on there for uh, about Trump going back many, many years, like well before the 2016 uh, election. Trump mm. quits Trump Entertainment as debt payment deadline looms. But no dirt. And and for the same reason, you know, you might say, well, why didn't the... If Trump is so dirty and all of his uh, colleagues are so dirty, why didn't the police or the FBI investigate Trump and all of his dirty goings on before 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they, I guess they just didn't have the wherewithal to do that. They didn't have the evidence. Right. Same sort of thing. Those, alle- those allegations that he must be pro-Trump because he never released anything incredibly damaging to Trump. You could say the same thing about the FBI and the... NYPD or the New York Prosecution's Office. Why didn't they go after Trump earlier if he's so dirty? Right. Are they all in league with Trump? Why didn't Obama go after Trump? Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of lawsuits. Not his job, but anyway. 
Right. There are plenty you know of lawsuits against there's plenty of lawsuits against Trump over the years and that either get settled out of court or people have to sign stuff. If he pays them off, they have to keep quiet. So, that, I mean, the, he, he has had his um, share of misfortunes brought on by either his corruption or stupidity or whatever. But, yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, um, knowing the right people, or whatever, just stuff doesn't stick. And the, but the point is, going into the election, a lot of people knew the stuff, but the people who voted for him just didn't care so in some ways, it didn't matter that things weren't more thrust in the limelight because the, the voters who were who wanted him to win just did not care. And I think the other thing to understand, too, um, is that WikiLeaks has always been a, a small publisher with mm-hmm. a limited amount of people and money and resources. And they have to be selective about the stuff that they pay attention to and publish, right. like any small publisher. Um, so they're going to publish things that they think are going to have the biggest impact mm-hmm. at a particular point in space and time based on what's going on in the world. That's it's part of their mission is to, you know, right. newspapers uh, and television news don't publish every piece of news about everything that's going on in the world every day, right? They, they are yeah. selective because they have a limited amount of paper that they can print on or limited amount of web internet mm-hmm. no that's probably doesn't time make sense. The money it's unlimited time yeah. and money yes yeah yeah same thing is true with wikileaks but people tend to i don't know want to hold them to a different metric anyway i i have no reason to believe assange would not go out. now here's the other thing people go oh he's in bed with trump eh, trump's administration just to, well haven't arrested him but they're trying to get him extradited so they can they, they're indicting him yes. so explain that one Oh, yeah. he's in bed. He's in bed with Trump. Oh, but Trump's indicting him. Trump's administration right. is indicting him so again. So like, enough. you know, no one's no one's bothered to make sense out of that. Unless, I mean, I have heard a theory that they will they they're indicting him. They'll extradite him, and then he'll get a pardon from Trump, and he'll get an office next to Trump's, and he'll be <laughs> hacking fucking Hillary Clinton's email server or something for the rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah, there's that, that crazy uh, conspiracy theory, which, <laughs> hey, we'll see. But, um, yeah, this whole narrative for the last couple of years that you've been getting from the left over there, that, oh, he's in bed with Trump. Mm, you know, Trump's trying to have him in, extradited and is being indicted. So uh, that, that that doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. In 2000, I read that. Hold on. Let me keep going here. Um that performance drew voluble praise from her opponent, Donald J. Trump, who regularly read from leaked Clinton campaign emails in his 2016 stump speeches and declared, I love WikiLeaks. But months yes. later, while he was president, WikiLeaks posted a collection of classified documents on the CIA's hacking tools. And Mr. Trump's first CIA chief, Mike Pompeo, called Mr. Assange a narcissist and labeled the organization a non-state hostile intelligence service. Mm. By the way, one one of the other things that I love is when I see, I, I, I've ever seen people over the last couple of years, Americans mostly, a cause, a, accuse Assange of treason right. for revealing state secrets. I have to keep pointing out that he's an Australian. <laughs> How can an Australian commit treason against the United States? Oh. You idiot. <laughs> I've seen this even this week on Facebook, people saying, you know, he's accused of treason. Uh, hello? No. I mean, maybe he has committed treason in Australia, but I haven't heard anything about that. But not, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
just this 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 stupid man. It hurts. The stupid. They just burns. throw around words. <laughs> they just throw around words, hoping something will stick. Pompeo's words were a harbinger of the single charge of conspiracy to commit computer intrusion against Assange that the Justice Department unsealed on Thursday. So that's uh, the indictment that's come out. It's not for espionage. Um, It's for... It's kind of murky, really. I've read the indictment. It suggests that he knowingly published uh, top secret information without having a security clearance which again is the is what investigative <laughs> journalists are supposed to do right so good luck getting that one through the courts um but this other bit of information that's in the indictment is supposedly Chelsea Manning back when she was Bradley Manning right uh asked Assange allegedly to help hack a DOD password. Now, this is after Manning had released 400,000 documents to Assange already. I mean, Manning worked in the DOD, had access to tons of files already, didn't need Assange's help to hack those. But according to the indictment, there was a password that would enable Manning to do something. We're not exactly sure what, maybe to hide her tracks, maybe to get access to some documents that she didn't have clearance for, I don't know. And that Assange allegedly agreed to try and help crack the password. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as we know, he never did help crack the password, but just agreed to it. Uh, and so that's the basis of really their indictment, conspiracy to commit computer intrusion. It's because he said in a chat, allegedly, I think he was using a, a, a nom de plume, so they, they're claiming that the person in this chat mm. was Julian Assange. They're going to have mm-hmm. to prove that. Um, offered, said, I might be able to help with that. That is their. That is the basis, really, of their yeah. charge against Julian Assange for this indictment in it which is seems completely flimsy i think the maximum charge for this is five years right um he's already been in the embassy for seven and was under house arrest in england for i think 18 months before that um yeah no i was just gonna say just real quick so for um from all the research i've been doing as far as him jumping bail in the uk the maximum penalty for that is a year and the maximum penalty for for attempting to hack into a government computer system is five years. So you've got six years. So he was, like you said, in the embassy for almost seven years, and then eighteen months locked, you know, locked away in UK. So he is more than done any kind of punishment or time uh, for these supposed crimes. And so, and, and of course, we're going to get to this. But so this is not what it's all about. He has already paid. He's already done more time than he would have done for both crimes had he walked out of the embassy or never gone into the embassy. But that's not what any of this is about. This is about getting him to the U.S. in any way they possibly can. Yeah, that's the theory. So I'm not going to read the rest of this New York Times thing because it's really long and I've already done an hour. I want to, I want to skip to the Swedish accusations. So um, you, you, you'll see a lot of um, <clears throat> talk online about him being rapey. Right. Um, I, sh- I should search the New York Times thing for rape, see what they say here. Oh, there's no rape. It doesn't come up. Interesting. They haven't used the word rape in this profile, which is good to see. 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, but I, I've seen lots of lots of talk about that. He's rapey. People saying he's a creep. He's sleazy. He's a lot of things. Now, again, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know him personally. But you have to wonder, well, where did you get that impression from that he's creepy? Well, yeah. it's because there's been this character assassination going on against him for years now. And there's all these stories that have come out uh, from Ecuador in, in order to build the justification for them evicting him, saying that he's smelly. You hear lots of yeah. reports saying that he's smelly, that he smeared feces on the wall, that his cat is dirty, that he didn't change his cat's litter tray, didn't pick up its shit. All of this stuff basically designed, I think, I mean, okay, there's a chance it's true, but it, it seems designed to um, make him seem weird and crazy and broken. Now, maybe he did flip in there. He's been locked in this little room yeah, um, I for, for seven years. Maybe he did go nuts. We know that the Ecuadorian uh, change of government there. So for people who don't know, the um, president of Ecuador, uh, Rafael Correa, uh, was the, who was sort of a leftist president, is the one that originally granted Assange asylum later get made him a, an ecuadorian citizen as well mm-hmm. which makes the legality of his eviction um oh, dubious because right. he's actually an ecuadorian citizen um enabling allowing the british police to just walk in and arrest an ecuadorian a citizen from the ecuadorian assembly who claimed asylum i think has some some legal some legal problems um yes. no one knows more about british law than i do <laughs> Ray, and I'm telling you, we, we, we need to look into that. It is. Um, it's being looked into. But then a couple of years ago, there was a change of government, uh, well, a change of president in, in Ecuador, more right-wing president, uh, Moreno, got in. And uh, he, in the last couple of years, has tried to buddy up to the United States. Mike Pence has paid him a visit. Yeah. He got a $4.2 billion loan recently from the IMF, nice. uh, which is based based in Washington. Uh, I think agreed to buy some American weapons. Mm-hmm. So on the surface, it looks like this new right wing. Oh, and, and he also cut off Julian's internet access right. sometime in the last couple of years. So Julian hasn't been able to get on the internet. Now, for a guy like Julian Assange who lives on the internet, that's obviously... <laughs> that's um, yeah. He's been blocked from the internet. Um, visit- visitations have been blocked. Uh, they've basically been putting him in solitary confinement for the last uh, year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a whole bunch of justifications for doing that. Oh, he was interfering in international affairs, some some such nonsense. Um, so uh, they've they've been trying to isolate him and make him out to be a crazy person for the last couple of years to get ready for this eviction, so they could build up enough uh, media hype around. Oh, he's a crazy person. Um, he doesn't deserve us. Dehumanize exactly. Right. Yeah. But I want to get back to the rapey stuff. Okay. Um, uh, uh, sexual violence I've heard I, I read in uh, I think the Guardian the Observer part of the Guardian somebody said uh, you know he's accused of sexual violence and rape and I, I just want to give a quick background to the Swedish uh, uh, story Sweden story okay. for people that haven't followed it closely because this is where a lot of it started um, now, this happened just after the Manning leak came out and he was mm. releasing some diplomatic cables. Right. Um, he happened to be, he had been invited to Sweden in 2010 to Ooh. speak at an event run by a political party there. Uh, 
the woman who was the uh, press secretary, I think, of this political party, Anna Arden, said that he could stay at her apartment. He doesn't like staying in hotels because he, you know, he was worried about getting bugged and all that sure. kind of stuff, I think. Um, so she said, look, I'm going to be out of the country. He can stay at my apartment. But she came home early uh, for some unknown reason, mm-hmm. and they were in the apartment at the same time. Uh, I think on his first night there, they ended up sleeping together. She said, sleep in my bed. They ended up having sex. Right. Uh, She asked him to wear a condom, and he did, even though I believe he said he didn't like condoms. And Mm -hmm. honestly, no one likes condoms, but he did. But that that no, but no, seriously. But yeah, that gets yeah, put yeah. out there a lot. Oh, he said he didn't like it. Like it like makes him right. weird. Yeah, no one yeah. likes condoms. Right. Um. So they slept together purely consensual. Mm-hmm. Then he stayed in her apartment for I think the next six nights. Um, her colleagues at the time said, "Hey, listen, seeing as you're back uh, uh, earlier than expected, would you like us to find somewhere else for him to stay?" She apparently said no. It's fine. He can stay here. Right. She also said that they didn't have sex uh, for the rest of the time he's there, but he did sleep in her bed. They slept in the same bed, I believe, but didn't have sex again after the first night. Right. Um, guess it just just didn't work for her. Um, yeah, one and done, like you and me in Vegas. Now, <laughs> um, another woman uh, invited herself to attend the conference. There's a woman called Sophia Willen. Uh, she had seen on the television, apparently, that he was going to be in Sweden. Um, she worked at the Museum of National History in uh, Sweden. Uh, she she um, contacted Anna Arden before he got there and said, hey, listen, um, you know, I volunteer to do whatever I can to help out. If you can get me a ticket to hear him speak, mm. bit of a fangirl. So she turned up um, and sort of was flirting with him by the sounds of it. I think this is by her own testimony for a few days. Mm-hmm. Invited him to, after a dinner, to um, go to her work, the Museum of Natural History. He went with her. They made out. They went back to her place. Um, and uh, he couldn't get hard, apparently, according to her story. Um was trying to get hard, couldn't get hard, so they they they'd been you know uh, uh, making out, couldn't couldn't fuck. Um, he went to sleep. They both went to sleep. Woke up a few hours later. Maybe he'd had too much to drink. I don't know. But he they woke up a few hours later, um, and they had sex, consensual sex, a couple of times. She asked him to wear a condom. He did. Uh, they went to sleep again. Woke up in the morning. She went out, got some orange juice, I think, some breakfast stuff, came back, made him breakfast. They had breakfast. They went back to bed. They fucked again, I think, consensually. Again, he wore a condom at her request. Um, Then she says, uh, sometime later, she was half asleep, according to her words, and felt him penetrating her again. She asked if he was wearing anything and he just said you um obviously saying he didn't have a condom on um she didn't ask him to stop mm-hmm. um but later she kind of freaked out a little bit that she might be pregnant apparently they joked around he said if 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 you are we'll have a we'll have a baby and we'll call it afghanistan right. um 
she asked if he had had an HIV test. He said he'd had one three months earlier. Then after he left her place, uh, she got a little bit freaked out and that she might have a, a, an STD. Mm-hmm. She'd never had unprotected sex before. So she ended up, um, I think, calling him and asking him to have another HIV test. He said he would, but not right that moment because he was or he was traveling, I think, yeah. or off giving a speech somewhere. But he did say he would. Uh, but she, that wasn't good enough. She, she, uh, you know, uh, I can understand it. She was kind of freaking yeah. out, young, young woman, unprotected sex. She called Anna Arden. Um, who had also just had sex with Julian a week earlier. And they went together to a hospital to have uh, basically an HIV test um, mm-hmm. or an STD test. Uh, then they went to another hospital where they were te- she was tested again by a rape kit, I think. And eventually, I think they went to the police in order to force Julian to come right. back and have an HIV test. It wasn't mm-hmm. to press charges for rape. Um, but at some point, I think either somebody at the hospital or somebody at the police station told them that what Julian did by penetrating her when she was half asleep in Sweden is classified as minor rape. Mm. Okay. Now, Sweden has very progressive, you could call it, or extreme views regarding rape, um, right. you know, compared to um, the rest of the world. Um, although I think in most countries now, penetrating someone, even if it's your wife when she's asleep, is classified as rape. Mm. Um, certainly, yeah. um, you know, I don't know, dick move. On one hand, I want to right. say, you know, you should always have consent. But if you've just had sex with a woman two or three times, in the course of 12 hours, you're lying in her bed. Um, I can understand the implied consent, you would think, if mm-hmm. you're lying in her bed, you've just had sex a few times, you would think there's some sort of implied consent. I don't want to get into the legalities of it because, A, I'm, I'm not a woman, B, I'm not in Sweden, C, I'm not currently working as a lawyer. Um, <laughs> now, you can say that's douchey. You can say, well, like, like if right. you're... I mean, I think if you're a guy, you can kind of understand how he might feel that she was up for it, you know. Um, she'd been chasing him for a few days, finally got him into the sack, they fucked a few times, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the police then told the two women that they were going to issue a warrant for his arrest and he was going to be charged with rape. The women apparently were shocked and horrified and refused to answer any more questions and left because that's not what they wanted. This is according to their own testimony as far as uh, we are aware. And they were fans. Uh, uh, To varying degrees, yes. I think they were fans. Um, Certainly admirers. And certainly uh, up Mm -hmm. until this point, they had both been texting and tweeting their admiration for him and texting uh, friends saying that they had banged Julian like it was um, something they were proud of, certainly not embarrassed of. So, you know, it gets portrayed in the media as sexual violence and he's a little bit rapey. But um, these women were consensual sexual partners, you know, except for that half-asleep one at the end. Mm -hmm. And they certainly didn't seem to be, you know, according to interviews with their colleagues, friends, there was nothing to suggest that anything that happened, even the half-asleep thing. She didn't say stop. She didn't say you raped me. She didn't go to the police and say I want to charge him with rape. None of that happened. Right, right. Um, 
then the police said they were going to charge, they were going to arrest him and charge him with rape. But then the next day, a senior prosecutor saw the uh, the the evidence, the allegations, and rescinded the arrest warrant. Right now, Julian in, stayed in Sweden, I think, more or less for the next six weeks, um, and offered to speak with the prosecutors, uh, offered to answer any questions. They said, no, it's fine. He left. Eventually, I think he went to Berlin. Mm. Uh, this is about six weeks later. Then a senior prosecutor, more senior prosecutor uh, in, chief prosecutor maybe in Sweden, Marianne Nye, resurrected the whole thing and um, uh, said that he, they wanted him to come back for questioning over rape charges. Um he, his lawyer, Bjorn Herstig, uh, couldn't get in contact with him because, you know, when Julian's traveling, he's, he's kind of off the grid. Julian, right. when he was in Berlin, his briefcase and I think suitcases got stolen from the airport. Um, and then when he contacted his lawyer to tell him about that, the lawyer said, Marion Nye wants you to come in for an interview. Julian offered to come back, I think, in a couple of weeks uh, after he'd finished in Berlin. Marion mm-hmm. Nye said, no, that's not quick enough. And um, th- there was some going on, you know, discussions on some going. I think that's when she issued an, uh, uh, some sort of international arrest warrant. By that stage, I think he was in London. Um, he oh. he was arrested, um, and and there was an extradition. Sort of, he was trying to avoid extradition to Sweden because his concerns were. And again, put this in the timeline. This is just after the whole. Cablegate and uh, collateral murder and all this stuff had come out in the US. The US were baying for his blood. Politicians and were saying on television that he should be killed, drone strikes, arrested, thrown in Gitmo, all this kind of stuff. And his briefcase with his laptop and his suitcase has been stolen from Berlin Airport. And it all just seemed very weird and suspicious that six, seven weeks after the events Mm -hmm. had happened... And after that, he'd been cleared of the original allegations. The women didn't want to press charges. Um, all of a sudden, it had been resurrected by the this chief prosecutor in Sweden. Yeah, yeah. he was concerned that he was going to get extradited uh, to the US. Now, his law. Here's the thing: people have been saying he was he avoid he was avoiding being questioned by the Swedish uh, authorities. To the best of my knowledge, that's not true. According to both his Swedish and his British lawyers. He mm-hmm. spent the next six years, including when he was under house arrest in England, um, wearing a bracelet, and when he was in the Ecuadorian embassy. He spent six years offering to answer any questions that they had, either in person, if they flew to London, or via mm-hmm. video link. Yeah. And the Swedish prosecutors declined to do either mm-hmm. of those for six years. Come on. Finally... Towards the end of 2016, they agreed. I think the interview didn't happen until 2017. They went to London and interviewed him at the embassy. And after that, the charges were dropped. Yeah. Now, the charges, I've read that the charges were dropped because of uh, statute of limitations. I think the, the statute of limitations for the rape allegation it doesn't actually expire until 2020. But mm-hmm. the others were dropped, and I think they dropped the the rape investigation because they said, you know, they didn't see any way of, of really moving forwards with it while he was in the embassy. Um, so that's the that's the story. Oh, the other thing with the Anna Arden, the first woman that he had sex with once, apparently at some point she submitted a condom 
for evidence that she right. accused him of deliberately tearing at some point mm. during their sexual encounter. Now, what I've read is that the, why she still had that six weeks later, I don't know. Yeah. Apparently, uh, in when, when it was handed in, it had no DNA in it. So um, no, you know, no, no, no semen basically right. to be connected to him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how it got torn, when it got torn, why he tore it? Just, did he want to knock her up? Um, yeah, this woman that he just met that day. Right. Um, is he just traveling the world trying to knock women up uh, to his backup clauses? Is that his form of backing up his computer? Right. It's just I don't know. So that's kind of weird. Wow. But that's my understanding of the, the, the whole Sweden scenario. So is it rape? Well, that's, I guess, up to the Swedish uh, justice system, legal system to decide. Is it douchey to um, or creepy to penetrate a woman who's half asleep that you've had sex with in the last uh, 24 hours, two or three times, who's lying in bed with you, who's been yeah. pursuing you for a week? Again, I can kind of see both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I, no one is more feminist than you and I, Ray. Um, we, Absolutely. We believe women are the superior. Uh, we know that, yes. Uh, are they? I think they're a species. So let's go, go. They're the superior species. Um, we think the world should be run by women. Absolutely. Men are a fucking disaster case. Like, no one... <laughs> <laughs> no one is more than I'm more than here, happy here. to just hand it all over to him and say, please, good luck, please. do your best with it. We're sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm we're, really, we're sorry. Really sorry. <laughs> but also, I I can kind of see that. Look, I don't know if Julian knew the law regarding minor rape in Sweden, but um, a I think the I think the important point here is that she didn't accuse him of rape. Right. She didn't go to the police because she felt like she'd been raped, which is suggesting that it was consensual. When she realized he it was penetrating her, she didn't ask him to stop, as far mm-hmm. as I'm aware, which mm-hmm. which suggests it was consensual. Right. So, look, there, there, there are nuances in the legalities of it that um, I'm not going to... I'm not... Authorized to go in. Authorized? That's not the word. Not qualified. That's the word I'm looking for to mm-hmm. get into. But... When you see him being, when people refer to it, including journalists referring to it as sexual violence, yeah, and he's he's rapey, he's a rapist. Mm-hmm. I even saw one guy who's a fairly esteemed uh, university professor in Australia, supposedly on the left, said uh, multiple. You know, he'd raped multiple women. I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. There's only one woman where there's any allegation of rape, and she isn't even the one who is alleging that she was raped, and it was minor rape. Like, just these, the the stories are all over the place. Yeah. Um, So that is that thing. Um, Just to be clear, so the, the... the yeah the the women never charged him or, or alleged and women mm-hmm. can't charge him they ne- didn't want to press charges for rape as far as i'm aware so there's that right uh what have i left out here um oh yeah and people say oh he's never published anything about third world dictatorships except he's got it started off publishing stuff about kenya and saudi cables he's published stuff about russia he's published stuff about trump all of these uh, stories that you'll see people, he's never done this, he's never done that. It, it, nine times out of ten, it's probably bullshit. Uh, go mm-hmm. and have a look. 
Like right. I say, keep saying to people, have you even bothered to go to WikiLeaks.org <laughs> and have a look at the fucking site? Like somebody on Facebook I saw saying he's never published anything about any dictatorships. And I was like, it's on the front fucking page, the Saudi cables of, of WikiLeaks. Like, seriously, how... How hard did you even try to yeah. look? Yeah, like just right. take a minute. Exactly. Yeah. The this this American narrative about him is people are just buying it lock, stock, and barrel. Yes. Without now again, I'm okay. I'm going to finish now by saying, I don't know Julian Assange. Um, he is my brother from another mother, uh, but I I admire his work. I don't know him personally, and I don't care if he is an egotistical, smelly um, narcissist. It doesn't matter. What I care about is his work in exposing the yeah. lies of governments and corporations around the world. I think that's incredibly valuable work that needs to be mm-hmm. done. I think his contribution in that arena is historic in the last decade. Um, And I I think that we need to be very careful about buying into this deep state narrative that's trying to assassinate his character and have him shipped to the United States, either directly from England or via Sweden. I mean, if if the British don't extradite him to the US... They may extradite him to Sweden, even though these charges, these this investigation has been closed. It may get reopened, mm-hmm. and then from Sweden, he probably can get extradited to the US. I mean, there's, yeah, you know, apparently one of the reasons the the US are only indicting him for this computer conspiracy is because if they if they made it sound like a political crime, mm-hmm. espionage, uh, then the it would be much more difficult for the British to extradite him. Apparently, it's. Uh, you know, there are there is precedent in in the UK where people charged with espionage in the US have not been extradited from the UK because Absolutely. they won't extradite somebody for a political crime. So the US are trying to downplay the indictment until they actually can get their hands on him. Uh, once he gets to Sweden, the US may have more leverage over the Swedish justice system. I don't know. Mm. Um, Anyhow, that is my just fucking brain dump on the Assange situation. <laughs> um, there's a so much fucking bullshit out there that people are buying lock, stock, and barrel. If you see it, if you see something, say something. That's that's my my right. request to everyone listening to this. If you see people going, like, just just do what I do. Go. You got any evidence to back that up? Yeah. Where, where what's your source? That's all I say. I don't. I try to avoid. I mean, occasionally I get avoid. I get into these big fucking long arguments, but I I, I try and be fairly judicious about that because I don't have time usually. Sure. And if I do do it, it's so I, I have some notes for doing something like this. That's the only reason I do it. So I I, I figure out what their main talking points are so I can uh, do a show. Right. But just ask people. Just push back. You got a source for that? Yeah. Uh, what you know? What makes you think that? Where did you get that from? Where did you hear that? Um, and, and, and just get just get them to think about, you know, which narrative they're buying into, because there is a ton of fake news around this. Right. And, and out of all of this, we are watching uh, live um, again, American power dealing with an Australian in an Ecuadorian embassy in the UK. And we're going to get our hands on him. So, again, just American power applied, whether it's financial, military, whatever America is browbeating and bullying and paying off and doing whatever we have to do to get our way. Because he embarrassed the U.S. by exposing their secrets. I mean, look, be honest. I mean, anyone who's like, well, he did, okay. But really, be honest. That's why the U.S. are after him, because he has 
expose their embarrassing secrets, political, corporate, and mm-hmm. military. And uh, they don't like that. So they right. want to take him down. But that is what journalists should be doing, is exposing dirty little secrets. Thoughts go out to people in Paris and uh, anyone who's never been to Notre Dame. I feel sorry for you because it truly was a masterpiece. And we'll be back uh, this week, later on this week, with our next episode on the anti-vax series. Thank you, buddy.